Hello and welcome to Cutting to the Ball in the Post-Truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben and as always I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello. Claire. Hey. And the ghost of Pete's Tooth is Hello. here. <laughs> Pete's here this week. Recovered from his minor surgery. Oh, I'll tell you what, mate. That two weeks of fucking hell. Nothing worse than toothache. Dry socket. Wouldn't wish it upon anybody, honestly. Dry they, socket? They pull the tooth and the, and because it's a, a, the lower jaw and I'm a smoker... You're very prone to get what's known as dry socket, which is when there's no clot forming. So you just left the hole right down into the socket where the obviously root was about a good eight to ten mil. <laughs> so yeah, it's just a big hole. And that was worse than the pain of the toothache. It was a bad toothache anyway, but all up my nose, all round my neck, all round around my yeah. horrible mate. Horrible. Well, nearly two weeks. There you go. So Don't yeah, have a tooth again. Woo! Don't have a tooth though. No. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about, and this is Mike's pick, as you, if you can put it out, the Paris Commune of 1871. Would you like to explain what the Paris Commune is very briefly, Mike? Well, it was an experiment in a worker-led sort of society that sort of lasted for about two months. <laughs> two so months? It was really successful then. Lasted or... <laughs> Oh, was that was the experiment just for the two months or? No, it was brutally no. put down and lots of people were killed. Oh. Yeah, which I'm sure we're about to find out. We certainly <laughs> are. But first, we'll thank some new and returning listeners. Alfen and Denreen in the Netherlands. I think I pronounced that right. I've always wanted to say the next one. Kuala Lumpur <laughs> in Malaysia. London in the United Kingdom. The Bronx, New York, Newcastle in Indiana, Niles, Michigan. Naval Canero in Spain, Fort Lauderdale in Florida, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Stevenage, UK, Ashburn, Virginia, Portoville, Missouri, Guadalajara, Spain, and Austin, oh, Texas. Austin, Texas, Texas eh? Hey? That's the first time they've been up there. It is. Fire good in the air for me, Austin. Yeehaw. TX, what is that? Texas. Texas, yeah. yeah. It is indeed. Austin, Texas. I'm surprised you, I don't know, you can't, you can't draw, you can't tar everyone with the same brush, can you? I bet they don't all speak like Dolly Parton down there. Wouldn't mind if they did, I like Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> Even still? Yeah, I still would. Dolly Parton's had a fancy of it, Pete, you would. For the story value of it, yeah, I guess. Yeah, someone yeah. said to her once, why have you got small feet? And she said, things don't grow in the shade. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, quite a sassy lady if you read some of the interview answers she's given. Well, with boobs that big that clearly weren't natural, she's obviously a bit sassy, isn't she? You know what I mean? That's it. And that hair. That's some impressive hair. Right, let's go through the Paris Commune. 150 years ago, the world witnessed the emergence of the first ever Workers' Republic, limited only to Paris, but nevertheless. So not so long ago, 150 years ago, the spot where today Sacré-Cœur, the Basilica, nicknamed the Alabaster Wedding Cake, now stands atop Montmartre in Paris, was once an insalubrious neighbourhood, home to proletarians, day labourers and sex workers. It was also the birthplace of what Karl Marx saw as a harbinger of things to come, the Paris Commune. Although, hmm, Marx, hmm. I've already had a discussion with Mike about Karl Marx this last week and I'm not going to get drawn into it now. What's a, what's a proletarian? The proletariat are the workers, the, the lower yeah. classes, basically. The voters. Because of the Latin, the Romans had proles. If you were prole, you were... So what's working. a day labourer, then? Day labourers are a bit more upscale as opposed to a prole. All right. Proles don't work. 
Okay. Got me beg. Got you. Oh, I don't think so. I think it just means the, the working class, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, the proletariat. At least the sex workers are there. I knew what they were. <laughs> I knew what they were. <laughs> One and a half centuries ago, it was here, perched at the top of Montmartre, that its residents stationed artillery they had acquired through community donations to defend themselves against the Prussian army's siege of Paris. We have to go a little bit back in time and we will get there. We've got to go to the Franco-Prussian War the previous year, 1870-1871. The French government's attempts to disarm its people led to active resistance in working-class neighbourhoods. The government fled to Versailles and the remaining workers, intellectuals and day labourers were tasked with organising the city's defence, its everyday life and the foundations of an entirely new social structure. The Franco-Prussian War is basically... You've got France, which is sitting there going, we're fucking awesome, because at the time the French, this is a second empire. Not that long after Napoleon. And You've got Napoleon III in charge at this point, which was his nephew. Yeah. Right. So it's not that long after. No, they've got Napoleon, an overseas empire, and the Germans, the Prussians, are like, come on, we, we want everyone to get together. All these just 30 German states, we want everyone to come together into one big Germany. Where was Sharp? Sharp was before this, 1793 to 1815. Sharp, if you look at the uh, Napoleonic Wars. Okay, so I'm just, I'm, I, that's the only reference I've got to that kind of era. So think what else is like in there? Yeah, technology's <laughs> improved at this point. So you've got breech-loading rifles, you've got primitive machine guns, Ele- electricity. Uh, no, probably not. You know, gas lighting, I'd imagine. Yeah. The automobile, just about? No, no, uh, 1901, the first car, first automobile, mm. I think. Was it? Yeah, you got no, trains at this very, point. Very, very rare anyway, yeah. weren't they? Extremely rare. And it was here, in the spring of 1871, that humanity took an irreversible step forward on the path towards its own emancipation. The events experienced by the communards of Paris informed both the lyrics of the international and the political practice adopted by the Bolsheviks in Russia. As both corrective and inspiration, these experiences were also instrumentalised in in order to legitimise state socialist domination. In order to glean lessons from the history of the Paris Commune that retained relevance for political action in the 21st century, this history must first be understood and critically evaluated with respect to its contemporary relevance. It's an interesting one, this is. Uh, when I first started looking into this, I was like, man, these guys are charmingly naive. What did they think was going to happen? And then I realised, oh, it's the left, they just can't fucking agree on anything. That's <laughs> what it boils down to, isn't it? Well, that was part of the problem, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Now, the Paris Commune was established on the 18th of March, 1871. But its roots can be traced right back to 1848, when a wave of democratic revolution originating in France washed across the European continent. In Vienna, Warsaw, Rome and Berlin, people took to the streets in protest. Not in Britain, though. We've never kind of had that in Britain. And in fact... Well, we had the Peasants' Revolt, didn't we? Yeah, but everybody rained, everyone went home and what time <laughs> stabbed in the neck. <laughs> you know, as soon as you got stabbed in the neck, started to rain, everyone went home. We've never had a successful revolution in this country, or even an attempt at a successful revolution. Let's start one. That was the closest. That was the closest. I think we should do. In fact, I, I'd argue that this is this, this slightly wrong. You could probably put this right back to 17... Oh, God, I've got to think when the French Revolution was. 1770s, the French Revolution. You know, Vive la Revolution! I'd argue that's when you could trace this back to. The French have always been very politically agitated, haven't they? They've always been yep. like... 
Ah, we don't like the government. Fuck it, let's strike. They oh, take no they shit, will, they? They, they, will go, they, they will go against fucking anything. I was watching something the other day and it was on about every little law that they passed. It, it was the Grand Tour on Amazon. Mm. And they were saying like every, every That's little good, good episode, driving t- law that they passed, they I think they decreased the speed limit on the motorway. That's it. Oh no, they put speed they cameras, put speed up, cameras up. So they just they, went out and cut down the speed cameras. Within like 72 hours... Not just a few of them, every single speed camera that they put up. Totally coordinated, like. <laughs> and we're talking thousands of them were all just either completely torn apart or completely vandalised to the state where they wouldn't work anymore. Every single <laughs> one of them. Yeah. Like, okay, over the country. Because it was a countrywide thing that they did. They'd get them all set up, spent a few weeks getting it all up in the locations, opened it up. 72 hours later, they're all gone. And they, that, they take no that shit. That was it. And they never to, came back. You have to hand it to them. Terrible war record in the last couple of hundred years, but my God, they take no shit. Yep. They are, they are very bullshy for cheese-eating surrender monkeys, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> they haven't always been cheese-eating surrender monkeys, though. That's the problem. Everyone forgets that. They were at one point, they were fucking awesome. You know, the Middle Ages, they were Europe's military dominant power, and even right up to Napoleon, up to Sharp. Mm. They were Europe's dominant military powers. Only when the plucky Brits turned up with the ability to fire three rounds a minute in any weather. <laughs> in France, the democratic revolution was defeated in a matter of months, ending with the bloody suppression of a workers' revolt. Protesting against the closure of the national workshops in June 1848, and despite this, the street fighting of this period laid the foundations for the establishment of an autonomous French workers' movement, which operated independently of the centrist bourgeois political parties. I love that word, bourgeois. <laughs> bourgeois. That was a key prerequisite for the formation of the 72-day-long Republic of Workers in 1871. Following the defeat of the uprising, however, a military dictatorship initially asserted control before handing the reins to Napoleon III a few months later. As Marx set out in the Civil War in France, the coronation of Napoleon Bonaparte's nephew, you think they were just like, we did alright under the first one for a bit. Should we get another one in? We've had them good though, did it? No, no, it didn't really. We never learn our lessons, do we? Was Napoleon II then? I think it must have been his son. Because he was also crowned uh, King of Rome, the son, as well as uh, Emperor... Kind of lasted very long. The third one got in and he got his arse handed too. They didn't inherit the OG Napoleon's tactical genius. <laughs> Although I still think name. it's debate that Napoleon's a bit of a, considered a tactical genius. Well, I think he had some very good officers, didn't he? He, he, he said, I have, my army has an income of 70,000 men a year, which means he was quite happy to lose 70,000 men every year because yeah. he could replace them. Mm. I think, well, that's not how you win. You want to, you know, you don't want to say that. That was his strategy, though, wasn't it? Well, he was. The, he had so many people. He could just. Yeah. He could just go. It was a bit like Genghis Khan, wasn't it? In a way. Genghis Khan. Sorry, Genghis Khan. It was a bit like Genghis Khan. Genghis um, Khan. <laughs> <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. Yeah, he used to overwhelm the, the enemy. O- overwhelming amount. Yeah. In his army, it's an overwhelming. It they used the column, didn't they? It was an overwhelming force of people appearing at a point where that particular part of the line couldn't hold them back. Precisely. Yeah. As Marx set out in the Civil War in France, the coronation of Napoleon Bonaparte's nephew thus represented less a triumph of capitalism than it did the establishment of an authoritarian regime aimed at suppressing a working class that was growing in strength. And 
Yeah, in the 18, late 1800s, working class arguing pissed off across Europe, because, let's face it, kings are still in charge. Well, they've been having a fucking rough few hundred years, really, haven't they? Let's face it, so they're all a bit pissed off with it, I guess. If you think about it, France has kind of been in and out of wars at this point for the best part of 80, 90 years, ever since revolutionary France. Probably handsome as well. So, you know, they've, they've had, they haven't had much peace in this time. No. But east of the Rhine, in a fragmented Germany, monarchic powers were also able to put down revolutionary efforts and defeat the democracy movement. The latter's demand for German national unity was subsequently co-opted from above, redefined positioned as a project designed to suit the Prussian-led response. Bismarck. Otto von Bismarck yeah. wanted to unify all the German states. Mm-hmm. And he had a quick look across at France and went, just do something. Go on. Mm-hmm. I need one war. I need one war for everyone to fucking get together and say, yeah, we're German. We'll take the French on. A lot of these German states had been fighting Napoleon. They didn't really like the French very much. They'd been occupied by Napoleon. Yeah. Nobody really liked Napoleon, apart from Napoleon. That's because he tried to fucking conquer everybody. Policies pursued by the Prussian crone were geared towards preserving the monarchy, while also seeking to unify Germany. In particular, the incorporation of southern German states into this process of nation-state formation, which was, that was bound to spark resistance in France, which had no interest in seeing a unified and strengthened Germany. Not. Don't want your next-door neighbour getting their shit together, do you? Not when they're 30 independent countries. <laughs> Following the victory of the Prussian-led troops in the so-called Wars of German Unification, the conflict between French and German interests once again resumed centre stage and only continued to intensify. This was a clash between two rival powers who were seeking to preserve and expand their spheres of influence both at home and abroad. France has already got an overseas empire at this point. The Germans would really like one, but they've got got their shit together at home first. In the summer of 1870, Prussia's minister, President Otto von Bismarck, succeeded in provoking the French government in Paris to declare war. I love that he's provoked them so I can... Oh, yeah, we've got the Kaiser, but I'm in fucking charge. Let's get everyone together. And to be fair, they absolutely spanked the French in yeah. this. It, Annihilated them. They were... Well, shortly thereafter, August saw the first hostilities of the Franco-Prussian War break out with a French assault on Saarbrücken. A few days later, Prussian troops had crossed the Rhine. The beginning of September was marked by the Battle of Sedan, which resulted in the capture of France's last combat-ready field army, along with Napoleon III as prisoners of war. Got completely encircled, tried to break out, failed miserably and surrendered. About 130,000 French soldiers, with another 100,000 under siege in Metz in the south of France. Did not go well for them. No. But it didn't end there. It did not. This sudden defeat sealed the fate of the Second French Empire, but did not signify the end of the war, with the Prussian troops marching onwards towards Paris with the aim of capturing it, because, hey, capture the enemy's capital city, you've won the game, haven't you? Yeah. You're having risk. You're having risk. <laughs> Unless you say that setting off. I think it should be done on a percentage amount of how many, you know, how much you've actually captured. So your thing is like, right, if we capture like 60% of your country, you should just pack it in and say we've won. Yeah, there's not much coming back from it, is it? You want the... it or, well, I suppose if, you know, if you go capitals, you know, you put all your, your defences around your capital, I guess, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, but you you don't want them getting to your capital. They're they're advancing across your territory. They're taking your stuff. They're they're taking your food. They're taking your livestock. They're burning your women and raping your your dogs and (laughs) whoever who who knows what else they're doing. Those weird Prussians. I'm sure they don't want, but they they can't stop them, can they? No, that's the problem. So Paris goes under siege. It's so bad in Paris, people have to eat the zoo animals. Then they start eating horses. Then they start eating rats. The only people left there were the working class, because all the middle class and anyone that could afford it got out of Dodge as soon as possible. Where'd they go? He's buggered off anywhere out of Paris. And it was a harsh winter as well, making matters worse. I'd um, imagine the Prussians weren't having too much fun besieging it in the middle of a harsh. Better than them, though, isn't it? You got shells coming around you. You're starving. You're yeah. freezing. They were just bombarding Paris with artillery, trying to make them surrender, which eventually they did. The ongoing situation in and around Paris also offered little encouragement to those hoping to found a free republic either. And by the beginning of October 1870, Paris was under total siege, beset on all sides by Prussian forces, and attempts to break the siege line with troops from the provinces had also failed. At the end of January 1871, Jules Favre, Minister of Foreign Affairs of the Provincial Government of National Defence, signed an armistice with the newly formed German Empire, which had literally officially proclaimed itself ten days earlier in the hall. Hall of Mirrors at Versailles. The Armistice Treaty stipulated that only a freshly placed elected National Assembly would have the power to ratify an eventual peace treaty. The First Assembly met on the 12th of January in Bordeaux, far removed from the nation's capital, which still remained in a state of total siege, and elected as Prime Minister a proponent of constitutional monarchy in the form of Adolphe Thiers. Father, who brokered the armistice, remained in his post as foreign minister. And Adolphe Thiers is a raving lunatic. Yeah. He is uh, a complete sociopath. Ruthless cunt. He's a butcher, basically. In Paris, both the choice of the location for the National Assembly as well as the makeup of the new government were viewed as betrayals of those who had spent months defending the capital against the siege. Which is understandable. If you've been sat there for months eating fucking rats, and all of a sudden the new government of France goes mm, let's do that in Versailles instead or Bordeaux let's go and make peace down there and remember as well part of the deal was Germany got 5 billion francs for winning that's a lot as well a quarter of their economy yeah a quarter of their GDP yeah, a lot of money there, for the yeah. year wow. plus they got Alsace and Lorraine which are border provinces which they'd always had their eye on they're major industrial areas. Yeah, it's they? the Rhineland area. And that caused some problems in World War One and then World War Two later yeah. on. Can I just say, like, what, what's the crack with the name Adolf then? <laughs> Fuck's sake, man. He was yeah. Austrian, mate. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's Ad- Adolf as well. So ah. Adolf. What, Adolfe. Uh, Adolfe, yeah. Yeah, but it's the same name, basically, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Let's it is. face it. It is, you're right. Yeah, but it's probably a good idea that the name's died out, hasn't it? You don't get many Adolfs now, do you? Well... You say that, my best friend's expecting. And he's, no. He's, he's, he said up. he's going to bring it back. He, he's going to try it. Well, is, he start, is he also going to grow a little moustache? Well, when he's old enough, obviously. <laughs> well, I was just asking for trouble. He's not really. <laughs> I was going to say, his surname is. if he did, though. Surname isn't Hitler, mate. <laughs> Adolf Newton. <laughs> what you've got is like a lot of French citizens, working class, and the National Guard, who were also working class. They're kind of a. Bit of a police force, bit of an army, bit of a reserve. Very liberal. They used to elect their own officers and things like that. Not forgetting. Didn't do a lot of training. Within this working class, you'll have a lot of 
surviving ex bloody French bloody Foreign Legion. No, the Foreign Legion was a thing at this point. Wasn't it? No. When was that formed then? Not long after the Second World War. Is it that new? Mm -hmm. I thought it was older than that. I thought it was Oh, no, no, sorry. No, you are right. The French Foreign Legion was formed earlier. But they were never permitted to serve in France, the Foreign Legion. Hence, French Foreign Legion. Well, they were all generally criminals, that weren't they? They were foreigners. No questions were asked if you wanted to join up. Same now. No questions are asked. Mm. Yeah. I had had a friend in the Navy who was ex foreign legion is that what <laughs> he was shot it was really strange though English lad mm. he'd been in the foreign legion for maybe like he'd murdered somebody <laughs> well, well genuinely we didn't know what the fuck but from what I gather it is once you've done so many years that's three like years I think you serve your time for what can't, that's your, your time served kind of thing so if yeah. you have committed a crime and that's been your chosen kind of punishment to believe you can almost opt to do that I don't know. I know you have to learn to speak French immediately, yeah, yeah. and if after so many years you get French citizenship and you can live in France, but until then, no. I think the the most senior NCO a few years ago in the French Foreign Legion was a British guy. Sounds about right. After the Second World War, it was full of XSS guys because mm. they were like, "Oh, where the fuck can I go?" Well, I'm well, I ain't learning French. If I commit a murder, I'm just going to do the time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see you being in the Foreign Legion at all, to be honest, Mike. I can't really see him committing murder, either, <laughs> to be honest. I don't know if I keep slagging marks off, he might stab me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what that knife's doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this, sneak is, attack. this is for the proletariat! <laughs> sneak attack! <laughs> is what it boils down to, so they went, you know what? Screw it. Revolution! Now, in order to defend Paris against German troops in September 1870, the Thiers-led government had reorganised the National Guard, enlisted unemployed men into its regiments. This led to a change in the military's demographic character. They deposed their officers, they elected new commanders from their own ranks, and also established their own governing body. Probably not the best thing for a military to do. No. It's okay to have... You know, everybody equal in normal society in an army. It's it's counterproductive, isn't it? You need you need leadership. you need structure and leadership. You need people who know what they're doing, not yeah. Jeff the Baker who won an election <laughs> yeah. and looks nice in his uniform. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good enough. On the evening of March seventeenth, the government's inner circle resolved to seize the National Guard's artillery as a means of neutralising the Central Committee's power. So they don't like the fact the Guard have got a bit too much power. They want the artillery. In service of this plan. The government published a statement which slandered the Central Committee and painted it as a danger to the young French Third Republic. And not wanting to solely rely on the desired effect of this statement, on the morning of the 18th, they gave orders to troops to march towards Paris and stage a surprise attack against the National Guard's positions, securing the artillery installations to the government's arse in the process. Meanwhile, the residential districts began to wake up in the morning and their inhabitants saw what was happening on the streets in front of them. So basically... The French government has gone, we don't like the fact that your National Committee, who's your National Guard, has got this power. We'd like those cannons, please. So they send in French troops, regular French troops, to get the cannons. As an eyewitness wrote, as on other major occasions, the women led from the front. They did. Very women-orientated, it was. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they gave equal rights to women. As yeah. They gave women key roles. We'll get onto it, Claire. Don't worry. It's a they had a section. prominent um, role in it, didn't they? Yes, they did, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
They did not wait for their husbands. They encircled the uh, Mitralizus, which is a cannon-shaped volley gun, somewhat basically like a, a primitive Gatling gun, you know, the old seven barrels, the turn yeah. the crank, and cried out to the gunners, this is shameful, what are you doing here? The soldiers did not answer. As time passed, larger groupings of National Guard troops arrived on the scene, but no one really wanted to fire the first shot. General Lecomte ordered the government soldiers to open fire on the men and women. He's the chap in charge of this little French military expedition. What's his name? Lecomte? Yes, <laughs> might as well be. And they refused and started mingling with the National Guard troops and they arrested the general <laughs> in the end. Yeah. Would you like to know what happened to the general? Did he get fucked? He was strung up. Ah. He was lynched. shot. Or was he lynched? He was lynched. Don't want to waste powder on him. <laughs> but, yeah, too fucking right. Mingling. Yeah, All them troops like, to, to fire on your citizens. And on women and yeah. men, you know, women predominantly at the start. Oh, yeah, and that's, this is why I think that any sort of revolution would gain traction with, an, uh, with any country that's got a professional army drawn from uh, volunteers. I mean, if you're in the British army and you're stood there, V for Vendetta, right? You know the end to V for Vendetta. Mm. You've got the army in front of the Houses of Parliament and everyone starts advancing in the V-mass and they're like, what do we do? And he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to go to the open fire. Because you don't know if that's your mom, your brother, your sister, your dad in there. You're not going to fire on people that may be your family. That's what happens, isn't it, in revolutions. That's the turning point when the army and the police no longer protect the corrupt. Yeah. They go on to the people's side. Yeah, that's yeah. the turning point, isn't it? Usually. Yeah, totally. There's a breaking Full point. unity. Yeah, there's a breaking yeah. point where the, the soldiers and the police are like, no, fuck you, I'm not going to continue massacring my own people. Yeah, that's what it is, and as soon as you get that on side, you've won. But in this scenario, and it happened, the French have always had this thing where they're like, ah, I'm not going to do that. When Napoleon the first rocked back up in France, he had like 1,500 guys with him. Whole, like, whole brigade of French infantry came at them, and he just went, look, here I am. Shoot me if you want, you know I am. Shoot me. And they all went, nah, and joined with him. And the thing with his cannon as well, it was a symbol of... Defence, yeah. defiance. These cannons have been firing against the Prussians. And the people have been the ones that have been operating it and dying at the front line, protecting their neighbourhoods. And all of a sudden they want to take these guns away. Yes. Why should, you know, you weren't here. Yeah. Where were you? You were all in German captivity. Or ran away to or, Versailles, yeah. which a lot of them did. The government just upped and went. As soon as the Prussians on the outskirts of Paris, they were like, fuck it, we're going. Hmm. Left they the people, save their own skin, of course, they? and left the people to defend them themselves. And then they say, "Hang on a minute, I don't like the fact that you're organising your own defence here and promoting people." Well, you've got the, the wrong class. class of person promoting. So we're right? going to come in and we're going to take the guns away. And then <laughs> they say, "No, we're not, you're not taking our guns." And he's like, "Right, fire them." The cheek general, of you. yeah, the fucking cheek. Yeah. Unbelievable, isn't it? Never mind that they've been the ones holding the city. Oh, and also, I never mentioned when. You know the armistice and they paid in the five billion francs and gave them the territory. They also allowed the Prussians to hold a two-day military parade to the centre of Paris. Yeah. Just to really rub it in. What? Yep. Yeah. Now having failed to capture the cannons and surprised by the workers' resolve, Thiers decided to decamp the capital and head to Versailles, accompanied by his government and loyalist army regiments. They were able to flee the city with ease due to the fact that the National Guard battalions, anticipating a renewed attack by government forces, had barricaded themselves in their neighbourhood strongholds or otherwise directed their movements to avoid a confrontation. So they're still trying to keep the peace of it yeah. here. Yeah, they don't want to fire on the soldiers, do they? 
Well, no, they're, they're, they should be fellow citizens. I should be wearing like a cut hat with a tricolour on it. <laughs> the tricolour, little ribbon on it. I'm, I am down for the French Revolution, by the way. I really am. That's fantastic. We need that in this country. Be nice, wouldn't it? I think we're we're past that, aren't we? No, I think so. We're building to it, aren't we? Wouldn't you like to see? <laughs> no, I, I, I just think not. We haven't had a revolution. I'm like, don't mean right. We're past it like that. I just think that we're the mentality. The there's always the, a breaking point. The brutality that it would take. Yeah, the, look at the brutal policies that the Tories are putting in. More austerity now. There's not a, not enough. That three hundred and thirty thousand people died in the first austerity. They want to do it again. But the problem is... Social murder, isn't it? As soon as you get your guy it, in... You're murdering your own citizens for political fucking well, it's, ideologies. It's, it's for profit, isn't it? That's what it boils down to. Well, yeah, keep the rich rich and the starve the poor, innit? But let's say you have this revolution. Now, the guy in charge is probably... A fair, obviously very charismatic, but also probably quite a bit of a brutal man. Because he's had to launch an armed revolution. Now, even if you get a bunch of people round him to sort of pacify him and give him good advice, how long does it last until the next brutal man rises and decides, you know what, he's got a bit weak, I could have him. Because once you've had one free-for-all, once you've had one uprising, it can become a free-for-all. I'm not saying don't have uprisings, if you're... <laughs> but look, at there's always revolutions, counter-revolutions, a counter-counter-revolution. You see it time and time again in history, and even in recent history. Every time you have a revolution, there's a counter-revolution. And unless you nip that in the bud, very brutally mm. and very quickly, you've got a civil war on your hands. And you don't want that because you're trying to consolidate power. Yeah. The trouble is that if you, if you try and win power with violence... It's, it's the only way you can. No, it's it's government. It is. It is. In today's world, it'd be the only way you could do it in, in this country. Don't be stupid. We've got a fucking electoral system. Yeah, that's it's great, isn't it? What do you mean? Really no, it's corrupted really? by the media for a start. So yeah. there you go, it's out. Join me or die, we're on to London. <laughs> Simple as. Right, that's, how it's, 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 that's how you have to do it. No, you can't you've be got to violence. unite enough people with, with similar ideologies to go, right, this is how we're going to do things now. I Gandhi showed the way. Oh, yeah. Are you with Ben? What do you mean, oh, mind? yeah, overthrew a fucking empire? I think the violence... Yeah, well, he was still a paedophile. No, allegedly, you, you claim. You just sleep between two teenage girls, mate. What's your point? Well, you're saying everyone's a hypocrite. I'm sitting on the, you know, society as we know it is past that, you know, we're past that sort of violence. We know that it can't, you know, it doesn't solve anything, does it? Revolution's going on all the time, all around the world. It's bad there's at least three going on right now we haven't heard of. Revolution? Yes. Yeah. It almost happened in America, didn't it? Hmm. You can argue <laughs> that the attack on the, well, march on the uh, Capitol building was a... Uh, Certainly could have been a spark. No, I, I, Cuba, 1950s, Iran in the 70s. The war on terror in Iraq was effectively a counter-revolution because the guys that was fundamentalists didn't want to be ruled by the Americans. Af Afghanistan's now being ruled Afghanistan, by... Afghanistan, counter-revolution. It's now ruled, being ruled by, by the, uh, Taliban. the Taliban. And that was only, what, two years ago? Not even that. Yeah, so. I think join me or die is a bit... <laughs> You know, that's counterproductive. I think everybody needs to be as angry as each other. But, then it's a revolution, isn't but it? But you look at Afghanistan. Join us or die. It works. It's very effective. <laughs> it's simple. Do you know what? They're better off in Afghanistan probably now 
I don't know whether they are or not. They're probably nah, they, they were tens of thousands of people fucking died in their little kettle revolution. It wasn't fun. They were no, killing no, women not, and children and kids. It's a strange hill you're choosing to die on, Pete. No. Afghanistan was fucked before anyway. What It was. It was fucked. That's only like, partially fucked. Yeah, but... Well, no, it, if you're a girl, you've got no education. No, no, no. Have, but have they done anything to help it yet or not? Because they they were promising... That they were going to rebuild Afghanistan and make it. Oh no, they just carry, again. carrying on as they usually are, aren't they? Have they <laughs> have they accomplished any of that yet, or is it still in as dire state as it was? It's probably still in as dire state as it was. Beauty you don't know because they don't talk about it. No, no. there's no coverage on it. No, you only, you only there's no it. interest anymore, is there? No, you see them all jumping on the plane, like trying to jump on a plane because that's sensationalism of it all, yeah. isn't it? You know, and now it's petered off and. Couldn't see it say the last time I've seen anything about Afghanistan. Not. The teacher. No, why, why did you say petered off? Why didn't you say cleared off? <laughs> <laughs> off. Because getting so bent off is something itself. <laughs> 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 anyway, back to this. As the sun set over Paris that evening, power in the French capital essentially resided on the streets. Given this situation, the National Guard Central Committee decided to cobble together a provisional government. The majority of the Parisian population first learned of the shift that had occurred in their city the following morning when the Central Committee occupied the Hotel de Ville and raised a red flag and addressed the city's residents with their first proclamation. I'll quote it. You have charged us with organising the defence of the Paris. French accent, I'm not doing the French accent. <laughs> oh, what? You have charged us with organising the defence... Because I can't do a French accent for long periods. <laughs> You have charged us with organising the defence of Paris and of your rights and laws. It's probably highly racist. <laughs> <laughs> you can't impersonate anybody these days. Is it racist? Just taking a subject. Yeah, the poo from The Simpsons. White guy was doing it. Won't do it anymore. I said no. Cleveland from Family Guy was a white guy that did it. Now they've got a, a black guy to do it. He said they, 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 it's re- apparently it's representation issues. Cleveland was a white guy? Yeah. The, the voice of him? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. And now they've got the black guy who did YouTube impressions doing Cleveland because he did the best Cleveland. Yeah, it's a bit different though, isn't it, from speaking with a French accent? Yeah, even so, mate, I ain't running down that road. <laughs> I ain't going to leave myself open for that criticism. <laughs> but you're okay to say, join us or die. I know, it was, it was a hypothetical. Ah, but that was a hypothetical, wasn't it? Well, wasn't saying join me or die, it's a hypothetical. And that's how you have to do it, I'm sorry, it just is. History's shown us that. You are conscious of having fulfilled this mission, and aided by your generous courage and your admirable calm, we have chased out the government that betrayed us. At this time, our mandate has expired, and we yield it, for we don't claim to be taking the place of those who a revolutionary wind has just overthrown. So prepare and carry out your communal elections, and as a reward, give us the only one we ever wished for, seeing you establish the true republic. Wow, mm-hmm. it's very nice. So who who steps up then? Well, different leaders that have been elected elected to the central committee. So it could be anyone. Yeah, they'll get some nominations together. Every neighbourhood will elect a person or nominate a person, and that so, so Jeff it, the baker, so it, who's now a colonel. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. So during this revolution, you you know we fought side by side, and I've seen Mike. You know, yeah, just. Hiding and shitting himself. I was going to say, wading in and, you know, 
and, and conquering, and then you go, oh, I'm going to nominate Mike, because, you know... He showed real leadership during that. Valor and yeah. all sorts. What know. a leader that guy is. Sounds about right, yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> 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 the reality is, here's Mike hiding behind the wicker basket, <laughs> shitting his pants, <laughs> calling for his mother. Drinking some yeah. stale bread. <laughs> <laughs> and then running away. Yeah. Probably more likely. <laughs> You're not a violent person, are you, Mike? You're a pacifist. You wouldn't want to do it. No, but if I'm being attacked, then that's different, isn't it? If you're defending your neighbourhood, I'd still agree with the first strike in it. It's... I'd be right on it like a fucking rat. Like, give me that off. fucking cannonball. Whatever's closest to me is getting picked up. I don't care what it is. I'm <laughs> using it. I don't care. Give me a gun as well, but whatever's closest is being used as a projectile. I've been living my Call of Duty fantasy sniper rifle in the highest tower. <laughs> you probably got rifles at this point, but you probably only actually you know we'd be talking. You might get five hundred yards. Yeah, just a Not vantage point with, with a, a a decent. Right, these are bolt actions neck, at this point. Rifle, I suppose. Yeah, they're bolt actions, mm. so it's you know we're, we're talking decent accuracy. Yeah. You'd get a good couple hundred yards easily with accuracy, wouldn't you? Yeah, easy. quite comfortably. Claire, I'm with you, I'm sniping somebody. I, I always play as a sniper too, I'm a camping bastard. Find me spots, find me nest, get me out of that. Mm-hmm. I'm just all in there. <laughs> balls deep. Getting bludgeoned to death horribly, but still yeah. balls deep. Balls deep all the way, mate. <laughs> Don't care how it happens. Holding the flag in one hand and a sabre in the other. Atop a mound of the enemy dead. And I'll be using the flag will be impaled with about three or four different people that because I've used the flag obviously. So you can't do that, mate. You can't use spear. the flag as a spear. It's got the flag on it. I give a fuck. He's all in. He's I'm all, all in. in. Uh, deep, well, well, you know what? Oh, in your bloodlust, anything's a weapon, isn't it? I'm gonna hide among the women and children. <laughs> <laughs> kill me. <laughs> That's a very strange bearded child. Oh, I'll just save the beard. No, I, I, I've got so many sick of I can't repeat them on, on, mm. on air, so uh, we'll leave that to my imagination. <laughs> Thanks, I'm love. About a bearded lady, Thanks, I? love. Like the beard. Gives me something to hang on to. <laughs> I was just picturing him fucking wearing like the skins of. Dead women. <laughs> 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 That's really gonna help me blending, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they call it. I'm disguising myself. They start calling you Mikael the Skinner. The Skinner. Uh, yeah, you probably not fit in as well. But you know what? Hey, under artillery fire, mate, people go mad. <laughs> The Provisional Government's first official act was publishing a call for elections to determine the makeup of the Commune Council. The revolution of the previous day laid the foundations for a French Republic that would permanently mark the end of the era of invasions and civil war. Additionally, the Central Committee saw itself as the force that had defended Paris and one which would now return control of the city to its residents through the council elections. Less than ten days later, on March 26th, and just two days later, the Paris Commune officially came into being. Given the urgency of organising an election within such a short time frame, there wasn't a great deal of discussion about their actual political programme. For this reason, according to Prosper Lissagari himself, who's the guy in charge, the main chap, himself a communard, votes were primarily cast based on name recognition. Yeah. 
Consequently, the Commune Council ended up comprising a colourful mixture of Jacobins, socialists, anarchists, romantic and representatives of the bourgeois opposition, Napoleon III, i.e. the sort of middle-class people who didn't really like Napoleon and stayed in Paris. But yeah. isn't that what you want, isn't it? You want a bit from every little group. Mm. Yeah. Because everybody has a say, then. Sounds ideal. Oh, it's fantastic. For the two months... Yeah. You know, it's, it looks it looks great. But when they're they're looking, you know, because they haven't had discussion about their program, that's where it becomes sticky because it's these discussions that go on too long. It's the same in in today's politics, isn't it? The discussions just keep going on. You know, it takes ages for people to agree on. I don't know. I, I I agree that I think that we do have to have long discussions about things in the populace. Stuff needs to get done as well. It does need to get done eventually. Yeah, but you need to have discussions on. You know which way to go. Yeah, I think. It's a good I just think the cogs turn a little bit slow for my life. Well, they do. Yeah, they do. Perhaps speed up a bit, but yeah. Now this obviously meant the commune included powerful factions that took their political inspiration from the concepts of the bourgeois French Revolution of 1789, right alongside proto-socialists, anarchists, and Marxists. This is also a bit of an issue because none of you can agree on anything. This diversity of political positions was reflective of the century of class struggle that had preceded the founding of the Commune. And again, yeah, it's, it's like there has been a class struggle in across Europe, although, as you see, it hasn't really gone very far, but the, the currents are there. They've been building, except everywhere except Britain, for some reason, which just always seemed to just crack on with it. I think there was a lot more after the First World War, wasn't there? There was a lot more after the First World War, because that was seen as a... A bit of a betrayal by the guys that came back. Yeah, I think that's as close as we got, I think. Yeah, in fact, we, we get the, the army technically muted in 1918. Oh, did it? Yeah, uh, the British Army, they wanted to go home. We, we joined up, we volunteered, we wanted to go home. Now we're only stuck in France. They muted and the government realised having like a million plus trained, hardened soldiers coming home and pissed off wasn't the best thing. Mm-hmm. In the end, they gave in to their wishes and brought them all home. But yeah, they effectively muted and refused to carry out orders. Wow. It's the only time it's ever happened. Cool. Due to the growing animosity emanating from Versailles and the increasingly clear and specific demands made by the workers' districts, 16 elected representatives stepped down from their posts during the Commune Council's first meeting alone as they were unwilling to participate in a committee structure that sought to operate at a level above that of a city council. They want to be a city council. No, 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 no. This is another country, mate. Yeah. Pat, we've got Paris. We've got loads, hundreds of thousands of people here willing to defend it. This is going to be it. Come on. No, 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 no. City council. These withdrawals and the results of the subsequent by-elections led to the strengthening of the socialist agenda within the commune. Of course, you can, those people that don't want the countrywide socialism, they step down and the ones that do step in, don't they? Yeah. Well, yeah, nevertheless, well, and also it's, it's maybe the way that it was voted. You know, chances are, like, you know, Francois the Baker, no, not yet a baker, candle maker, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't want it to go beyond the city, but he's happy to do it for the time being. He's, well, you know, but you know, Joffrey over there, he thinks he should go to Countrywide. He's my, like, number two, so he can step in and everyone knows who he is, so they go again on name, don't they? Yeah. Oh, we know who he is, we'll have him. Nevertheless, the council remains shaped by individuals who adhere to a range of competing ideologies, occasionally leading to conflict. As a result, many of the commune's political positions and policies remain somewhat vague. 
at yeah, the same time. Again, yeah. yeah. However, the collaborative nature of the collective efforts to defend the newly established order in Paris was one of the Commune's strengths. And any evaluation of the Commune Council should not overlook the fact that, given the fact it only existed for two months, uh, the time its members had begun to realise their political agendas was extremely limited. Now, beginning on the 2nd of April, government troops set out from Versailles to launch an offensive on the capital, forcing the Commune into war. Despite the urgency of the situation, the Commune Council was able to enact a number of important decrees aimed at bringing about fundamental social change. The following policies are particularly worthy to mention. So, even though they had it for two months, so you go from the 28th of March to the 25th of May, they still managed to get these policies in, even though they disagreed on everything. And on the 2nd of April, they have to fight a war. They've got to defend Paris. They've been elected by the people of Paris. They've got troops, they've got cannons, they've got uh, rifles, they've got ammunition. But the government, who's buggered off to Versailles, is like, nah, you know what? Don't like that. So you'd be asking us to come back. We are the government. We've got all these troops. The following policies. A waiver on rents for the period of October 1870 to April 1871. I'm guessing that's when they're under siege. I like to say, yeah. Mm -hmm. A ban on the sales of property pledged by citizens during the siege or anything that's been pledged to help defend the city can't be sold on, it comes back to them, if it's still there. The dissolution of the standing army and its replacement by arming the populace. So that's the Swiss model, isn't it? It is, but the Swiss have got this massive, fantastic history of being wonderfully disciplined civilian soldiers. I don't think the French have. <laughs> that's, that's the issue I have. <laughs> Free public education. And mandatory public education, by the way. Yeah. This was the first of its kind, this, wasn't it? I imagine at the time. Yeah. Wages for civil servants to be made reflective of the average worker's I wage. That. I love that. So politicians. Everyone gets kind the of... The average worker's wage. Mm. Yeah. You're representing your country. You shouldn't get any... You know, that's a noble cause. But you shouldn't get any more than the average worker. I agree with that, to be fair. Yeah. I don't think they should be paid the money they are to fuck no. things up for everybody. You can hear Chester, the show cat. The takeover of abandoned factories by worker-controlled cooperatives. So this is your Marxism, isn't it, coming in? You're taking the means of production. Yeah, the workers get to control the company, get to vote. That's good. It's, it's democracy, isn't it? Yeah. At the moment, all our companies are fascist organisations. One leader that dictates all the way down, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Or a board of directors that dictates. The workers get no say. The company wants to move abroad because it's cheaper. The workers don't get a say, they just lose their job and they're put on the scrap heap, aren't they? Yeah. Now, if you had workers being able to vote, they wouldn't want their jobs being taken away to China. They'd be like, no. <laughs> Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, so this is what you end up with a union. It's effectively unionised employment, fully unionised. Even better than that, yeah. Unions, oh, I like unions. I do, they're a great thing, but my God, they've become corrupt. Well, there's corruption and everything, but they're still our best means of defence, aren't they? They are, but... Without them, we would be fucked. Yes, it's true. I know, I just don't like the corruption nowadays, that's what it boils down to. The seizure and redistribution... There's not as much corruption as in the government, is there? They're pretty much on a par. They donate to parties. They get the influences, influence in parliaments. I don't think so. A they lot do of donate them, to... They do yeah, they do, and they withdraw that donation, which a lot of the unions have done to Labour. 
Because mm. I don't like the way they're... I'm just saying, they, they, they still contribute. I think they're highly dissolved now. They've got no power. Well, they, yeah, they've been hamstrung, haven't they, completely? It's true. But we got greedy at one point. A lot of strikes. Didn't do the industries any good. The old guy I care for was telling me about strikes the other day and there was uh, this one place he worked and they changed the menu in the canteen the one day, like from hot pot to something else, yeah. And the union rep got them all up and got them all walking out over the fact that they hadn't discussed it with the union members and everything. Fair play. Oh, come on. That's taking the piss. Nah, you don't... That's going a step too far, <laughs> isn't it? That's why, that's why British industry fucking failed, because of shit like that. Half the people probably brought their own bloody sandwiches in, and you, you know, so it's, it's not even the majority that are going to be eating the hot poor pot. Old, poor old Sam Keith over there, can't have his hot pot on a Thursday. Oh, fucking hell, who cares? Suck it up, get on with it. Well, I think they should have a say over what goes on at their workplace, myself. Totally, but if they're... If they're not the menu change. Why not? If they couldn't get lamb that day and they could Spending half your day, half your week eating there. Yeah. Oh, come on, just fucking get on with well, it. Even the old guy I, 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 I care for, he was saying that they were taking the piss at one point, you know. It was just mm-hmm. anything and everything. they just stand up and get everybody walking out. And I'd be like, really? Just And then that's it? You get the rest of the day off? And you're like, yeah. It happens. Pass the people, I say. The automotive industry <laughs> effectively killed itself with strikes. They're making a shit product and they wanted more and more money for making it. Mm. Well, that's just bad governance, isn't it? That's, the, that's not the workers' fault, it's the owners. They make the decisions. <laughs> the guys the on the that... shop floor are the ones making the company the money. They always have been. Yeah, because they're the ones doing the work. Yes, they, don't, they don't make the decisions. If you're a crap the company job fails... It's not the workers' problem, is it? You're doing a crap job at it, and you're not making the money, but you keep demanding higher wages for doing a crap job. It isn't job. because it's a crap job, it's because, you know, they didn't... The shit falls from the top. There you go. Runs down. It does. Yeah, so that, that, you sort of been a bit hypocritical there then, Mike, because at one point, a second ago, you were saying that they can't move their company to a, a different country, you know, for sort of cheaper labour, but, but if they stay in this country, it might fold anyway. So, it's got a 40 film keeps going out on strike over the lunch menu. Well, I'm sure that if the workers realise that, then they might want to ship some of the jobs over and have a compromise, but not all of it, and lose your job anyway. Yeah. I'm sorry, no, 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 it just doesn't work like that, mate. It's, it's well, no, it doesn't work, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to vote for that, I'm telling you. <laughs> no well, there's a business model, and there's what they... You know, a business model says that they should get in profit and they don't ever seem to take anything less than what, you know, it's like 30%. What's that? Right, say I set up an ice cream store, yeah, I've got to be making, oh, I don't know what the maths is, I've heard it before though. I've got lost. Right. Something about ice cream. It's yeah. About yeah. ice cream, it's right. about business. Oh, I was just interested in the ice cream, what flavour was it? <laughs> Chocolate. Oh, shit. All right, we'll go on with this. A seizure of redistribution of unoccupied housing, that's nice. No one's sounds like a homeless problem, does it? Yep. Pan on punitive fines and docking of wages and salaries. You can't get your wages docked. Okay. Pan on night shift for apprentice bakers, and as French bakers start about two in the morning, I think. Right, that's very specific for bakers, that one. It is, yeah. French, yeah I think bakers tend the bread to... bread was like... Literally start yeah. at two in the morning. The main food, wasn't it? Mm. And, and of course, you fixed your price of bread, so everyone can eat. There you go. Yeah. Why and there was free healthcare. Or, and why can't the apprentices work night shift? 
Maybe they've, because apprentices are usually eight, nine, ten years old, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that one. You can't work a night shift in this country if you're under 18. Yeah, maybe it is. It was probably about that, yeah. And you get got less staff there, so... Maybe they've got a lot of burnt kids, in it. Maybe. Tired, burnt children. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. This bread looks awfully like a small child. <laughs> it's a funny shaped loaf. Are you saying they singe themselves all the time because they're tired? They weren't paying attention. All right, well, not, not just no. falling in the oven. Yeah, know, getting cooked up with the loaf. Maybe they'll fall into the oven because they're tired. Yeah. Get, get Excuse me. Up. There's child bones in my bread. <laughs> Again, it's all right. Feed it to the giants. They like bread made out of children. It's pushed away. It's looking up. We're living in a commune. What do you want? <laughs> these measures are primarily a reaction to the living situation in Paris, and beyond meeting these immediate needs, however, they were intended to pave the way for the constitution of a social republic shaped by workers and tradespeople that prioritise their interests. Now, wouldn't that be a better place? Sounds it. Society shaped by the workers and they prioritise their interests rather than the interests of the, the elites. The only problem I've got You just end up with a different class of elites eventually, you will. It's human nature. The only problem I've got with this though is from the beginning of this episode, I know this doesn't work. So it's great all this in like, oh, sounds brilliant, but it clearly didn't work because for whatever reasons we'll find out, I'm assuming. It wasn't work. allowed to work. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah, I'll give it that. I mean, it's in in theory, it's wonderful. Mm. I On paper, don't, it looks I brilliant. don't think that human nature allows us to do it. It might last a generation. It might last two, but after that, it'll just go, just go full on. Oh well, fuck it then. Just let them. Just let, let, let the trunks at the top. Human nature. You just, you just end up with different people at the top. <sighs> Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. The wheel turns. Someone new comes Break along. the wheel, Ben. Break the wheel, but they still end up with another wheel a few, <laughs> like a generation down the line. You went from Lenin to Stalin. You can't get much more diverse than that. It just happens. It's, it's just... Just because things have failed in the past doesn't mean that you can't... It's human nature. It's, every single experiment of this has failed. Well, what are you in politics for, then? What, why even fucking bother? Because we need a new system. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? How defeatist is this? You're that, are you, Ben? A new system? What, the system that you devise. No, I don't, I'm not clever to devise it, but enough <laughs> clever people need to get together and think of a system that will work. Well, yeah, that's discussions that the people need to have, isn't um, it? Nice to have a media that wasn't controlled just, by the elites. You just end up with another bunch of elites. After a while, you will. <laughs> I'm sorry, you just will. So he doesn't like prophecy, does he? He says normally. It's not prophecy, it's it historical is. fact. It's proven in every single government that's tried this, it's the way, it's, historically it happens, we have to take that as, that's what's going to happen. You learn from history, that's the point of it. Well, what are we learning from, from capitalism then? It doesn't work. Well, it did work briefly, and then you let too many rich people get too much hold over the way things are done, which is the problem. And it's eating the planet alive. Mm. But if you take... So you've, 50s, got to, you've got to change the system, but if it's you got to go. 50s America, height of capitalism, when it did actually work, and the unions had the power for the workers, and the bosses weren't paid much more, and everyone could afford to have one salary coming in and send their kids to free college and had a nice car and a nice house, living in the suburbs. Yes, there's still poverty, but the majority of people who work hard can make a very nice life for themselves. Of course they can. And that's what it needs to be. People are working now full-time, and they can't even afford... 
put food on the table. Did both your parents work when you were kids, or did you just work to have a better life? Did they both work to have a better standard of living? My mum worked part time. Your dad worked full time. Yeah. Dad full time, mum part time. Just yeah, same. My mum and dad did. My dad would do days. I would go do the twilight shift till ten, so part time. But then as I got older, they both went full time. Just said, yeah, what fuck it, we like to have a phone holiday. Yeah, but now people are working them hours and they're, and they're not getting it. <laughs> not, they can't even afford to heat the home. That's what I mean. That's why, that's why it's broken. But back then, that's yeah. what you needed. Even in Britain, in the 70s, it was 1 to 10 ratio. So, like, the bosses, when they get 10 times what workers got, now it's 350 times. Whoa. Yeah, it's still, the, this, the 10 to 1 is still higher than America in the 50s. It was uh, 7 or 8 to oh, 1. was it? Yeah. The unions had a lot of sway back then. On wages, and because the country was prospering, it was a, a better country for everybody, wasn't it? That's what you need. You need to take. A, you need to get that balance back. But to do that, you've got to eat the rich. Eat the rich. <laughs> no, not eat the rich. You know, that's just, that's the phrase. It's the hit phrase. Eat the rich. Is it? Yeah, I've heard it. Tis now. <laughs> All right, let's go to the women of the commune. I think mm. because women played a massive part in this. Now, the communist political practice was determined in large part by the numerous political clubs, district committees and the battalions of the National Guard, all who bore strong influence on the activities of the Commune Council, along with the organisation set up by the women of Paris, who played an active role in shaping and defending the Commune and fought for the ability to participate equally in social life. So equal rights for women. This was before anywhere in the world, wasn't it? Yeah, before anyone even attempted it. Well, if they've been fighting alongside you know, the lads anyway, they're going to be respected more, potentially. Yeah. They were more capable than men, quoted uh, famous communard Louise Michel. Her text is basically asserting, more capable than the men to say to Finity that it has to be this way. Although inside they may feel shaken to their very core, they remain outwardly serene, shorn of hate, of rage, of sympathy for themselves or for others. They insist it has to be that way, even if it makes the heart bleed. That's what the women of the commune were like. So it's calm, serene, stoic, stoic and more... Resilient. Uh, more resilient than the men. Mm. Yeah, her depiction underscores the crucial role that women played in the shaping of the commune and the struggle to protect it. And one of the reasons for this is that the organisations of provisions and fuel tasks was typically felt of women were of enormous importance the maintaining of daily life under the Prussian sea. So cooking and making the fire became tremendously important when you were under siege. Finding food, cooking it, mm. making the fire. Women did that. Mm. We kept you all fucking fed. All right, it was rats. Uh, but we still fucking kept you all fed. Ratatouille. Yeah, there you go. This resulted in the formation of female networks in local communities that became conduits for the politicisation of Parisian women. To put it another way, the city's women directly affected by the hardships of war, but also beneficiaries of the commune's degrees, and that gets alignment with their own political project, because they want equal rights, simple as. So the government troops from Versailles began their offensive on Paris on the 2nd of April, and the commune was forced to defend itself against daily attacks from fresh units that had been brought to Paris and across France, and notably also prisoners of war who had been set free by the Germans. Amidst heavy fighting, control of the towns, buildings and fortifications surrounding Paris changed hands many times. Although the National Guard, because they were like elected officers and all mates in the same neighbourhoods, like, do you want to go and take that fort today? Nah. 
Mm-hmm. All right then. And when they actually tried to get professional officers in to like make their troops better, they were still like, "Nah, I didn't vote for you, mate. Won't be doing that mm-hmm. today. Don't fancy that. Just gonna sit here and get drunk, I think. It's, a, it's an issue, isn't it? It okay. is. You don't want you. You don't want an egalitarian military. Uh, you just don't. On the twenty-first of April, however, troops from Versailles made their decisive strike on Paris. Following weeks of heavy artillery bombardment, the city's fortifications lay unoccupied. Someone left the gate unguarded. Whether that's basic military incompetence, but someone who decided they didn't want to go to work that day, or whether that's they were deliberately done in by an informer on the inside, we will never know. Mm. However, they were informed the West Gate was unguarded by a a royalist, a government sympathiser who presumably ran out, lived near the West Gate and ran out of it to tell them. <laughs> he was like, yeah, we got the West Gate, we got the West Gate, no worries. And as soon as they, they walk away, I'm like, fuck off, let's tell them, let's see. it's free, man, we can get, they can get in. Yeah. I think that's what it was, I think they were I like to think portrayed. I like to think they just got drunk and decided not to go in <laughs> typical French fashion. <laughs> there is that possibility. Now, let's go and get some uh, cheese instead and drink some wine yes we'll play chess in the park <laughs> and then maybe have a small sleep <laughs> yeah, and <then> drink more <laughs> and have sex with my god mm. <laughs> oh your mistress quite French quite French have a mistress isn't it that is the god <laughs> <laughs> following this incursion the remaining communard forces barricade themselves in their local neighbourhoods where they tried to resist the government troops and fit advance as fiercely as they could. The problem is, is you got no central leadership then. You, everyone's split up in their own little street. People are just shooting and trying to fight with whatever they've got. Yeah. With no leadership. And you can't control no everything. Yeah. Yeah. Divide and conquer. Yeah, they just, you, yeah you, you, exactly, Claire. Exactly, yeah. Without you, the conquer bit, it was just divided. They divided themselves. Divide and do whatever. Yeah, they divided <laughs> themselves. <laughs> And got conquered. And got conquered. Yeah. Divide and get conquered. Oh, shit. <laughs> that was the wrong phrase. <laughs> it took them basically ten days. Fuck, you know, that's not much, is it, when you think? No. But they did go street by street, overcoming dogged resistance. So they they, did. they put up a fight. They did. To the last. And the last shot was fired from a commune-held cannon. The piece charged with double shot. With a terrible clash, exhaled the last sigh of the Paris Commune. Double shot is they basically load two cannonballs in. The last barricade of the May Days was in the Rue Rampineau, and for a quarter of an hour, a single Federal defended. Now, 11 o'clock, it was all over. On the 29th of May, Adolphe Thiers declared that the order had been restored to Paris, but the end of Communard resistance did not mean an end to the killings. I just want to point out, while people, while they were doing the fighting street to street, and obviously Communards were surrendering, Yeah. They were all executed. Yeah. What? Yeah. Just shot. That was it. The first time they encountered, I think there was like 12 communard troops against a, a, a company of a, a similar number of French government troops who clearly just outmatched them. Like four were killed, six were wounded, and four surrendered. And they just like shot the four straight away. And then, then when they'd encounter military hospitals, they would just shoot the prisoners in their beds, shoot the guys yeah. in their beds. You fought against us, you're dead. Mm. Simple as. Adolf Thiers literally ordered that. No prisoners amongst the uh, guys. Unless, of course, they're like a high-ranking official and you get what you want out of them, then shoot them. And now the exact 
number of those who fell victim to this bloodshed remains unknown, as the bodies of most of those killed were hastily buried or burned. It is clear, however, that during the bloody week in May, this is article. I've heard up to thirty thousand. Yeah, f- between fifteen and thirty thousand, I think. It's hard to verify. Big city, though, isn't it? So you know. But still, thirty thousand people who lived there just killed because they didn't fancy uh, going back under that government. Yeah, and a further nine thousand were sentenced to either imprisonment or exile. Now, exile in them days meant a slow death. You go to like an an island. What was the island they used? Well, sent, they sent, <coughs> sent to her Napoleon to Saint Helena, but mm. that was taken over by the British. Now they send them to their North African colonies. Now they sent them to the like Martinique or something, or yeah, their African colonies. They'd be sent somewhere. That's not Africa. That's in the Caribbean. Caribbean them. They'd be used as slave labour, wouldn't they? Yeah, until yeah. they died, basically. Effectively, yeah, it's a shame. In reckoning with the French state's actions concerning the commune, it is also important to highlight that even after the mass executions has ended, a further 9,000 were sentenced to either imprisonment or exile. In the forts along the French Atlantic coast, to be fair. So you're sitting on a, in a fort in Normandy under guard all the time, working your balls off until you die. Yeah, but above all, in the penal colony on New Caledonia, there we go, known mm. as the Dry Guillotine. They did die in great numbers for an amnesty declared in 1880 permitted survivors to return to their homeland. That's seven, nine years later, isn't it? Yeah. However, it was no rehabilitation and the sentences received by the communards retained their legal validity. To this day, French authorities have staunchly refused efforts to have them revoked. So yeah, they won't even take away their criminal records off them. Really pissed even them off. to this day, it's the wrong elite, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. They won't let you have it. Workers try and dictate themselves. They want the power back. They just slaughter everybody. I'm very surprised the French army went in and did that, to be fair. But then again, it depends on the level of propaganda they've been receiving as well, doesn't it? They aren't receiving the news that these guys fought Paris while we were locked in a German prison camp. They're receiving these are traitors. Yeah, they'll have spun it like, oh, this traitor's been, you know, They've taken, taken over, over Paris. Paris. Yeah. We've got yeah. to take it back. They let the Germans in. They, they, they couldn't hold it. They're cowards. And then they were uh, turning against us. We fought for them. Yeah. But still to you know, just execute a prisoner is a big thing. Mm. You know, it is. It, mentally. It's, and it's one of your population as well. It's not yeah. a foreign invader or anything. Yeah. People you probably know. Yeah, totally. So there we have it. There we have it. So uh, short history of the Paris Commune. It's interesting. I think the problem was is the problem the left traditionally has where they can't agree on anything, and uh, that was part of the problem, wasn't it? You shouldn't really be having a. But it was never going to work because you know what was going to happen. The army was going to come back in and I was say, take it, it was, over. It, it was because it, it was all under pressure, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Let's take Paris, and then, like, you know, you're in a state of, you know... You've been defending for your lives against this foreign invader. You've been left alone by your government. Yeah. You know, and then when they surrender, they let them do two days of parading through the streets, rub it in your face. By the third day, that was what triggered it, wasn't it? And they were like, fuck this. We're going to create our own National Guard and... Well, they already had the National Guard. It just came out. It took over briefly, didn't it? Well, we're the only organised force left. 
But then they gave yeah, up their they, mandate. No, they gave they, they the deposed the, oh, the middle authorities people the left, yeah. in the National Guard and put their own men yeah. in, didn't they? Which again is an issue. You don't want you don't want the equality, a military with equality. No, there's another problem. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the boss? Well, this is, that's it, isn't it? And yeah, I don't fancy doing that. If your soldiers aren't going to obey, what's the point? Yeah. But yeah, you ain't going to defend it against professional troops because your guys aren't. No matter how much you drill them in the in the two months you've got. Yeah. But the way they responded, I mean, it's called the bloody week for a reason. I couldn't find anywhere how many people died at the government army. That was puzzling. No. Probably nowhere near as many. No. no. So what do you think? That shit crazy. It's inconceivable, isn't it? You know. He was just desperate people at the time and they just wanted to... The government had let them down time and time again and they wanted to... It's a shame they weren't... things themselves. It's a shame they weren't left. Yeah, to their own help. devices yeah. for a bit longer, see how it worked, and then maybe use that as a stencil yeah. to be able to shape the rest of the country. Yeah. Or and other countries would have maybe taken that on board. Yeah. It could have completely yeah. changed the tide of the future. Well, well, that's what happens now, isn't it? Yeah. Like a, a South American country, you know, votes in a socialist, and what do the Americans do? Sanction it, you know, prevent it from growing and blooming and blossoming and. They tried to do it to Cuba, but they failed to an extent. Well, to a point. They tried, they I mean, imagine if they helped Cuba rather than impede them. Of course, they were never going to do that. No, the problem you've got, especially in this scenario in, in France, is like, well, this is civil war, isn't it, at this point? Because you just declared the independent Republic of Paris, effectively. Yeah. Yeah, but the people voted for it. They did, but uh, the government... Democratic uh, elections, mate, and they overturned it with violence. Which is what the man always does throughout history, isn't it? Because they don't want no one's going to give up their power. Go well, all right then. Oh, you go on then. So now I'm in charge. <laughs> Fuck off. This is the way it's always been, isn't it? And it's it's sad. It is sad. I agree with you. It's it's terrible. Until you can get that man out of the way. Yeah. Well, they've got no moral authority now. Have they they've led us to the brink of what is it? Worst oblivion, and at best. A nightmarish Armageddon. future, yeah. <laughs> so they failed us, haven't they? Yeah, new system. Too little, too late. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't think too little, too late. That's really defeatist. Yeah, we've got to act now, soon. Yeah, it's got to be done quick. Won't happen though. That's the point. Yeah, well, I like the idea. I think that you know the stuff they were advocating was decent. So it should be some yeah that's everything should be some great should be a, ideas should be a fairer society wages should be more on par unless you're like ridiculously qualified in which case I'll waive it yeah if you're a brain I wouldn't surgeon, mind but it's the workers it. that make the profits mm. yeah but if I'm a brain surgeon if I, uh, my brain surgeon's getting paid more than me not to fuck up and I need a brain yeah. I need brain surgery I'm happy for well, that that's fair enough pay him ten times what the average worker gets yeah that's fine you not that. leave that as the cap but why pay the banker three hundred and fifty times yeah leave that as a cap. Yeah. Why does the banker who, who ruined the economy and has caused this misery since 2008 around the world? Yeah. So they all went to school together? That's why. There's your answer. Everyone went to school together. They shagged the same teenagers yeah. on uh, Epstein's Island. Allegedly. More than likely. Allegedly. Gotta say allegedly. Allegedly more than likely. Allegedly. Remember our legal position? Allegedly. 
You can say anything if you say allegedly. You can, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, they definitely did it, allegedly. Yeah, you can say, you can say anything as long as you say allegedly. That's true. But, no, the stuff thing is great. Free healthcare, free education. I think that stuff should be, like, just a standard into a good standard. You know, the fixing of prices is good. The wages, fixing, you know, wages are good. It's fantastic, but you got to get these people out. Any other ones who want... The man ain't going to let you have that. There are some bits of that that obviously we've we taken on yeah, board. Yeah, of course, yeah. The healthcare, the education, yeah. the... Um, pensions the as well. Minimum pensions, wage. Minimum wage. Um, yeah. Kids can't work nights. Otherwise yeah, they get tired yeah. and burnt. So yeah. a lot of those rules clearly fucking stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just a shame that the other few rules that have fucked up the country by not being followed and every other country in the world mm. if they if all of those rules had been followed other than the select few that have been be nice wouldn't it fucking be amazing it would it's a shame be cracking shame it'll never happen but hey ho now I'm that bombshell eh yeah <laughs> yeah I'm in Ben thanks for listening you can follow us on Facebook at Cut Into The Bull In The Post Truth Apocalypse YouTube is Apocalypse Born and most podcasting platforms as Cutting the Ball in the PTA. Don't drink the flavour aid. Don't join the court. Don't not assume the government are going to turn up and ruin your perfect society. I've <laughs> been Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. Solidarity to the people. I've been there. Keep an open mind. We're not so open that it spills out your ears. And I've been Pete. Viva la revolution! I'm surprised you know we're power to the people there, Wolfie. <laughs>